Everyone. Oh, hello. Hi, Nathan. Hello. Wow. <laughs> it's me oh, this time. Wow. <laughs> Always got to be one. Yeah. And today, wow. it's today. David is my enemy. <laughs> Great. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Reckless Attack, a Dungeons and Dragons, a fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons actual play podcast. I am your dungeon master, Nathan, here surrounded, as always, with the very excellent players here at the table, uh, starting to my left with. Hi. I'm Sophie, and I play Valeska Carter, the human asterisk cleric of the Arcana domain. And to my left. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. That's all yeah, you get. That's no all, more. That's all you need. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm Jonathan, and I play Checkers, the Grung Druid. And it's Trusty Frog Pals, Mango, and Junior. And Checkers is in the middle of trading Juniper's lunch money for his tiny frog, Junior. <laughs> <laughs> I give you oh, one yeah. frog, and you, you give me lunch money. Yeah. Think about all the things you'll be able to buy with this frog. Wow. I'll see you, <laughs> you later, have, Junior. You don't have currency here, right? Yeah. You live in a tree city. Right. You trade in frogs, probably, <laughs> right? It just gets like a frogs. bunch of bark and say, like, I don't know what to do with this. Yeah. <laughs> and to my left. Hi, everyone. I'm David, and I play Kaskrin Brightmane, the Dwarven Warlock. And Kaskrin has made some choices today, <laughs> whether I, or not they're the right ones. I stand by all. We, we talked about it after the episode. I stand by all of your guys' choices, especially the after the... We'll call them middling dice rolls <laughs> that you got uh, pretty repeatedly and exclusively. All of us were just like shaking Juniper down. It's like, tell me your secrets. Tell me your secrets. And they just like, uh, you. this is what you get. Yeah. <laughs> you roll naked. You, you don't learn anything. Yeah, right. I don't know. I'm sorry. And to my left. Hello, everyone. My name is Steve, and I'm playing Salve Asterlin, the dragonborn monk, who's... Uh, I- I mean, in a pretty awesome tree fort right now. Yeah, right? <laughs> right? Still riding that high. Yeah. yeah so that's yeah. pretty cool. It's, uh, the the inner Selv child is pretty happy. <laughs> God. Did Selv have a tree fort when he was a kid? Or like, did he want one and then never get one? You know, kind of one of those childhood it, it was, things. It was, I think it was one of those things where, you know, because he, he grew up basically in the monastery and the top yeah. of the mountains, which are generally above the tree line. So not a lot of big tall trees that you can build a fort out of mm-hmm. uh, or in I should say but uh, you know maybe he always just kind of looked at him and was like you know it'd be nice did you like maybe see a book in the monastery that had a tree fort <laughs> in it and just like wow plant life <laughs> incredible this is, a great, this is a great idea it's too bad these things don't exist anymore. yeah right <laughs> wow it's just this, this work of fiction alas yeah. Yeah. what a fantastical idea a house yeah. in the trees <laughs> my god things. Mm. <laughs> well indeed you find yourselves in a green thing. <laughs> Actually, Ooh, it's mostly brown ah. right here. You were told by Juniper, the halfling raven mound who met you, that, hey, I'll see if you guys can get in to the council so you can get a little bit of hints or at least ask some advice on where you're going in your quest and to petition them to let in some refugees from the recently attacked city of Crossroads. But instead of just chilling among the roots under the safe boughs of this hundreds and hundreds if not thousands of feet tall tree you're like well, let's ask we should ask if we can go in right and so you did 
you guys were able to sweet talk your way up to be met with Juniper the Ravenmount. This small halfling was leading you through the city until you guys realized a couple things. First and foremost, this city's pretty empty. For as big as it is, and as kind of mighty as its reputation is, there's not that many people out and about. And you realized that Juniper was not leading you in a straight path. So you confronted him over it. And after some disagreements, Juniper ripped some of the bindings off of his face, revealing his skin totally devoid of all pigment. No veins, nothing, just absolutely sheet white. I don't remember if anyone was still putting him in a headlock or... Catherine is 100% still holding him very tightly. (laughs) Right on. And you guys are kind of all gathered together, and his large raven is towering over all of you. And you're in a little bit of a standoff, but Juniper holds his hands up, stops struggling against Kaskrin's burly, rocky arms, and says, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. I think we have a bit of a, I'm not going to say misunderstanding, but like, uh, maybe we should just talk it out. I second Juniper's point. We should all relax a second. And Val points up to the giant bird. And Juniper also like follows your gaze and is like, and, and he points at the bird and relax a second. Okay. And the bird just like stares animalistically down at all of you. I'll just be taking this back. And he picks Junior out from his pocket. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot that you had failed and failed to pickpocket him and and had given him Junior. (laughs) And Kaskrin has rotated Juniper to put him, like, put Juniper between the Raven Mount and him. (laughs) Just taking hostages immediately. Unfortunately, at at this point, it is what has happened. But at the, hey, hey, wait, 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 let's talk. Kaskrin will let go of him, Mm -hmm. but is not, not, like, standing down at all. Definitely. So, Juniper just, like, still has this, like, and again, Juniper is, like, three and a half feet tall. He's, like, like a little guy. Probably Kaskrin had, like, lifted him up off the ground, and his feet were, like, kicking, Mm -hmm. basically. And he just has, again, he just keeps his, his hands, kind of, palms out to you guys, and just says, okay, okay. So... Are we near any place where we could sit down or is this basically like an like kind of urban is there like a little park or something or a little open open area? I had imagined it you're kind of in like the residential almost suburban area, but yeah, I think like I love the idea that there would be a park inside of a giant tree. Like that's sick as hell. I, I want the streets <laughs> to have like, you know, when you see like old-timey movies where they have like the boulevard in yeah, the middle. Yeah, yeah. With, like, grass and little trees and stuff like that. Uh, Steve, please describe to me what a park in a tree city might look like, at least in terms of your vision and both your convenience. (laughs) Okay, so I'm kind of thinking that the buildings up here essentially look like they're grown yes. out of the uh, out of the tree. Yeah. No creases. It is everything is just kind of almost one solid piece. And so I think as we move towards the middle kind of more towards where the main trunk of the tree mm-hmm. is there's these little not like full parks like small little let's call them natural areas and so there might be like large mushrooms or toadstools that people use to sit 
And then, you know, little cultivated areas where where somebody has gone through and I don't want to say like tamed the wild, but essentially kind of did that. It's cultivated, yeah, we'll say. Where where there's, you know, they've kind of like grouped little flower arrangements together mm-hmm. where they go in like kind of a rainbow coloration and little like shaded areas where maybe there's like an enormous leaf that just kind of overhangs uh, oh, an area. That's the the like instead of a gazebo or event area, it's just <laughs> yeah, a big yeah, leaf. it's just yeah. a, like a like a giant leaf. I like to imagine there's a kid section where it's <laughs> a very bouncy mushroom that's oh, like, yeah. <laughs> you know like you almost see like a trampoline. But there's a sign that is also like grown out of the ground like a mini tree that says parental su- supervision required yeah. and, because and so you have you have the bouncy mushroom but mm-hmm. then you also have around the outside of it the overhanging like ivy and um to keep the children in yeah. you know so like they mm-hmm. yeah. like, a, like, <laughs> like they, a bouncy they, castle yeah like, yeah, yeah, yeah like the... a castle yeah 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 <laughs> so i assume you guys go into the bouncy castle to hold this uh, very Where serious else discussion would we host our meetings <laughs> i will say so, please explain <laughs> how this happened as the whole discussion was happening, I, Jonathan, was just pantomiming checkers, like riding on top of one of those like spring-loaded yes. horses. Yeah. Yeah. Like, wow. Also a mushroom. Yes, <laughs> but just a very like one with a very long stem that right. really just like bends back and forth. <laughs> I am really upset at myself that I made the joke that you guys were doing this very serious meeting in a bouncy house <laughs> because now I'm like cursed with this knowledge <laughs> that like. That's kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, yeah. You guys can decide that, but you guys kind of walk into into this park and and maybe even Selv is the one who suggests it. Just is like, "Hey, let's Yeah, go. yeah, how about we you know, How about we duck over there?" Mhm. I imagine the kids section is probably like in the middle of the park. So we'd pass a lot of seating options. Yeah. <laughs> go there. I feel like we're at Juniper's a like, bit "I know I know the perfect <laughs> place to talk." Right over there. Really take the edge off. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone sit down, cross your legs, get comfortable. Juniper lead us to the bouncy house and then traps us there. Yeah. <laughs> and it's actually a Venus flytrap. Just <laughs> yeah. So you you guys go where it is in the park. <laughs> you decide is best. But goes and kind of as soon as you decide on that, Juniper agrees and nods to his mount, who, without any further instruction, takes off again and again it just kind of kicks up all of this dust with its huge unnaturally large wings you guys find seats find spots in what is an immaculate park but doesn't seem to be particularly well used and there appears to be no one no one near you juniper sits or bounces and you can kind of see over his shoulder far in the distance kind of the very faint outline of his raven. A good distance away, but perched. He looks at you guys, and he kind of makes eye contact with you all, and it occurs to you that his eyes are also totally white. But he is still looking at you as if he's seeing that sort of thing. It's not cloudy. It is just there are no no pupils, nothing. And he says, okay, so first... I would like to acknowledge, yes, I was not leading you in a straight line. And I didn't mention anything about that. And so I see where that could cause some concern being visitors from outside in a strange new city. So I apologize for any distress that may have caused you. 
We appreciate your acknowledging <laughs> that. It's hard to stay angry in a bouncy house. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I I really I, I didn't know. I, I thought it, maybe I read it right that, this, that you'd appreciate it, but I didn't want to assume it's a risk. So that's uh, that d- delights me here. I come here to think quite often. I just imagine Kaskarin in this like bouncy house, grumpy, arms folded, <laughs> oh, 100%. But, just, but just like just the slight, well, because he's mostly stone, just the slightest like up, down. Up, down. I, I, like, up, I imagine down. he's like, also like, we can't see half of him because he sinks yeah. so yeah. far. Yeah. Like the rest of us, all of us are sitting like perfectly on top of the bouncy house because Cass is so dense. He's the one like sinking down, down. And he's pushing trying all of to us be up. intimidating. But like the second he tips over to one side, even <laughs> slightly, he just rolls over. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the awkward thing of you just like falling over once and then never being able to stand up ever again and just swimming through. And so he's just like falling over on his side, staring daggers at Juniper. And it's just apology accepted. <laughs> I would also like to say we could have responded to our assumptions in a less aggressive way. You know, I I get it. That totally tracked for me. I wasn't really <laughs> picking up on it. Thought I was being pretty pretty sneaky that you guys weren't going to notice and it was no big deal. But no, no. I understand. I I don't get out often, so I don't think about those sorts of things all too often. A lot of the things we've done as guilders have made us some um, suspicious. I mean, that's what being a guilder's all about, right? Is 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 the adventure and and going out and righting wrongs and and he's like getting animated and bouncing, I guess, <laughs> even higher and facing down dangers. I, of course, of course, that makes I should have thought of it. Well, thank you for acknowledging it, Juniper. And again, I also apologize. We, as Valeska said, perhaps came on too strongly. Would you mind? Telling us, then, what your intentions were. Why did you bring us around in such a strange way? Yes, fair. Um, And it has to do with this, and he points to his skin. Again, you can't even see, there's no rosiness to his cheeks. There's no, you can't see veins through it or anything. It is just supernaturally, almost, white. And he says... Honestly, I was just trying to keep you guys away from overly populated areas. That was all. We were still making our way to the inn, just trying to kind of skirt around other people. This city used to be a beacon of light, of hope. And recently this happened, and he gestures to his face and his eyes again. How recent? Did an ultra giant pass through here? Well, the the face and the, the skin stuff, that only really happened in the last few months, I think, to most of us. But, well, I think it happened a lot sooner, and so do a lot of other people. So when you guys were coming up the tree or approaching the tree, I'm sure you guys saw all the, the scorch marks on the bark, right? It was hard to miss. That was actually caused by an ultra giant. I mean, it was it was a long time ago. I wasn't alive. But anyway, it was this big, fiery being, hundreds and hundreds of feet tall, that tried to attack the city. We have this uh, these leaders in the city, 
we call them the Council of Oak. And they, you know, handle a lot of the stuff in the city. That's who you guys want to talk to. But we also, inside the forest, there's this uh, circle of druids. And, well, apparently, these druids defended the city against the Ultra Giant. Wounded it, even. And, as far as we knew, that was the end of the story. It was a great victory, big success. But I don't know if that was it. My parents told me that as it left, it screamed something as it was walking away. No one thought anything of it, but I and some of the others are wondering if this thing, which the name of it was Inferno Star, is what they called it. If it cursed us. I don't know why it's happening now. No one in charge is talking about anything. But I I don't know if turning away is the right thing for us to do, and so here you are. But why would the elders want to hide this? You look super cool. Um, well, um, okay. So look, first of all, it, it is a secret. I am not supposed to be telling you all about any of this but I don't know I think I think they're they're ashamed of something maybe or don't want to talk about it or think they can fix it themselves or just don't want to admit that something happened I don't know the council the druids the ultra giant that's the only explanation I can come up with and if they don't want to talk about it then it must be something bad right but I'm not going to tell you not to tell anyone. I will ask your honor as guilders uh, to use your discretion. But, um, yeah, I, uh, I just thought you should know, I guess. Thank you for telling us. We will use our discretion and ensure we don't tell anyone what you've decided to keep secret. And Kaskrin has been listening this whole time. And his face has shifted through a couple of different expressions as he's listening to Juniper's story from grief to a little bit of, you know, anger and frustration. And at the end of it, it's just resignation. All he can really say is, I am truly sorry. Not just at what we've done, but what has happened to you and your people. And he's like looking down at his own hands and like wringing them a little bit. No one deserves this fate. To be changed because of an ultra giant and he nods appreciatively and he says but honestly I'm glad I'm glad it happened I'm glad that you guys uh I'll call it forced me to tell the truth but like you get what I mean in like yeah, a mm -hmm. like a good way plausible deniability for right. you yeah exactly um gave me no choice because when I met you guys I mean, I saw you not really defeat the big undead thing, but, like, 
stand up to, we'll say. That's that's right. That's yeah, probably that works. fair. Yeah. Um, stand up on. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I found out you were guilders, and and then you told me about the refugees, and I I I wanted you to come here. There aren't many people left here. It's a lot of Raven mounts, the council, a few others, but the city's dying, and not just dying in terms of people. And not dying of the tree will die, literally, I guess. But that's not thats not what we're supposed to be, you know? We're supposed to be like a lighthouse, like a beacon for people to come and, and commune and, and have connection. And so, honestly, I hoped that people like you guys, who have had adventures and... and do stuff from the outside could maybe I don't know say something do something I don't know I'm sorry I should have told you or something do you think the council might have more information about what all of this is or maybe what's been done before to try to stop it Val is so proud (laughs) in this moment just Uh, channeling my inner Val like what just like what like what he asked Relevant question? <laughs> wow. I mean, I, I'm certainly more than I do, but as I understand it, a lot of resources have been put into it. The Circle of Druids don't really visit. I assume the Council and them talk or whatever, but if they couldn't fix it, I mean, it might not be fixable for all I know. We can always ask the Council when we have an audience with them and offer assistance. How about this? It's been a long day. You're tired. We're tired. Why don't you take us to that inn you promised us? Absolutely. And maybe tomorrow morning, if you can swing back around, maybe see what you can do about getting us an audience with the council. That already taken care of. And he like he's now climbing down off of the mushroom bouncy house. And he says it timed out really well. There's actually already going to be a Council of Elders meeting tomorrow. There's actually a couple of other petitioners who are in the city already. So we're good there. And because I met you and I flew back, I already told you you're on the agenda. So it's, it's taken care of there. I think that works in our favor then. Yeah. We'll head to the end, relax a little bit, and meet back up tomorrow. Right. Get some sleep tonight. Tomorrow we remove the curse from the giant tree fort that was caused by an ultra giant attack, and then uh, we're out of here. Juniper's very white eyes go very wide. It's like, well, okay, okay, okay. Twelve to fourteen hours tops, right? Also, I want to be, I want to be really, I don't know, clear. And your, and your secret is safe. We will not. Well, not no, no. no I mean, not. I mean, good. Thank you. I do appreciate that. Val leans into Juniper and was like, that was him making a joke. He was being sarcastic. Well, not sarcastic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that happens. Juniper just like looks at you, Val, and then looks itself and then squints. Steve and I have just like switched places. (laughs) (laughs) And, And he says, okay, good one. We'll still try to help. His humor is hard to explain. Okay. If you don't get it. Well, all this, okay. So, all I'm saying is like, I'm not asking you guys to, to 
fix it, right? That's not, I don't know anything about it. If the council hasn't fixed it, then it can't be fixed or isn't yet or something. I don't know. But like, we can be doing more is all I'm saying. And that's. And that's what we'll try to do. We can't promise to fix it, but we can promise to look into it and see if there's any avenues left for resolution. And now, a word from our sponsor. Hello, everyone. GM Nathan here. And welcome once more to the mid-roll. This is where I remind you to follow us on all the social medias, particularly on Twitter at Reckless underscore Attack, where we are posting a variety of frogs and memes and frog memes and meme frogs. You can find all our socials by visiting our website at RecklessAttack.com and much more. If you like us, consider supporting us on Patreon. It's one of the best ways to help us grow and improve the show. Early ad-free episodes, level-up talkbacks, and oodles of other stuff await you there at a variety of tiers. Lastly, don't forget to tell a friend if you're enjoying the show, or let us know by leaving a rating or review on your podcatcher of choice. That's all for me. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Juniper starts leading you all down a bit more obvious of a path. You pass some bark and wooden houses. And as you are walking past all of these houses, you notice there are not a lot of lights on. More often than not, these houses are empty. As you guys are walking and Juniper continues, presumably answering all of Val's varied questions about uh, city structure, city planning, sewage, what have you, you do actually in the distance see a small group of people. They are preoccupied with kind of their own business. And as you get closer, about a block away, especially some of you guys with dark vision can see it appears to be a parent and two kids, maybe. They are not quite as heavily layered as Juniper is slash was, but are all wearing cloaks and a lot of layers on, and there's not a lot of skin. And you just get a flash of face from the parent as they look up at you, and you see their very white skin across a face that shows surprise and then panic before grabbing both kids and then just kind of like steering them the opposite direction as fast and as far as they can take them. The only other notable activity you guys see is on almost every rooftop, there is a raven. They are different sizes. Many of them are normal-sized ravens, your usual your usual ravens, but every once in a while there will be a heftier one, not quite raven mound-sized, but three, four, six feet tall, just perched and watching over things, maybe settling down for the night, but ever-present. You guys stop in front of a medium-sized, but like, as alien as all of these buildings are, right? They're just weird bark buildings, you come upon what is 
very obviously in your traveling experience, a tavern slash inn. And he says, okay, we're here. And you guys, this was like four blocks away (laughs) by going the straight path. It, It did not take that long. And he says, okay, so here's where you guys will be staying. I'm sorry again. And he like reaches for the doorknob and then pauses and then puts his face wrappings back on. <laughs> and he throws open the door. In front of you guys is kind of a weirdly just normal looking tavern. Except again, all the tables are like fused to the floor. And the countertop is perfectly unseamed coming out from the floor. There's no mirrors or anything like that, but there are, you know, kind of those those cup holders that, like, you hang things by the Glasses, stem that yeah. dangle that are also, again, seamlessly built in kind of the back bar, and everything is, again, it is uncanny. Okay, so <laughs> here's my question, though. Uh-huh. Is it, like, a Midwestern basement where it's all, like, one <laughs> tone of wood paneling, or is there several different species of wood that leads to different colors and like grain patterns. So Um, that's a great question. I'm going to imagine it as it is. It is all one pattern. Okay. It's all coming from the same wood, but parts of it, whether it's a wall or the ceiling or tabletops or whatever, all have like sheets or essentially carpeting or other textiles on it. Okay. I'm imagining Val is like clocking all of this. It's one of those things I would imagine walking into a room that is all exactly the same color, all like with bark kind of like trace lines and whatever. Oh, so there's bark on this. Yes. Yeah. It is like all of this is like essentially it is bark and or smooth wood kind of thing. But it would probably break your brain a little bit if you just walked all, in. all uniform. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's actually a lot of like textile decoration mm-hmm. amid, again, an otherwise very cool, albeit weirdly uniform experience. I just have a lot of questions about this. <laughs> what type of bark is it? Is it birch? Is it maple? It's magic. <laughs> it's like a magic tree. <laughs> I mean, like, more like barks. Because, or... like, the bark I pictured is more, like, It's pretty fun. Rough. It, so it's it, like it depends on It depends. Bark. Yeah, it's, it's a relatively smooth bark. Okay. But I guess I'm even imagining it's maybe all kind of the same tree, same colors, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. But sometimes the bark is a little rougher, like on roofs or something like that. Maybe okay. it's, like, a little coarser or something to add a little texture. Casquin is just, like looking around and just like sagely nodding just like mm, smart and, and he's like seeing all of the chairs are fused to yeah. the ground and just like if anyone was going to get in a bar fight here they would have like one weapon top <laughs> they, everyone yeah. would take yeah. five minutes just trying to break off the having tree. had to like break up a lot of bar fights he's like mm, yes, no, well no, no improvised <laughs> weapons here yeah. and the only other people in this place there is a tavern keep who's like just kind of very quietly doing the classic, I'm polishing the same pint glass that I've been polishing for upwards of maybe, who knows, maybe years. And then at one of the tables are two mortals. One of them is a humanoid man, or human man, who immediately just jumps out at you. It's the first thing you clock in this room other than kind of all the fun textiles and stuff, because 
he is wearing what seems to be kind of like a hmm bummer. I realized <laughs> that in my mind's eye, this person is wearing a romper. And that's fine. They're wearing a romper. So you can see, you know, like full legs, but instead of it being like zipped up in like normal sleeved shirt, it is kind of pulled down, you know, kind of like a, I don't know, like a... Like coveralls a mechanic Yeah, like a coverall like a mechanic would wear. But the reason that this person jumps out at you is because their entire body is covered in tattoos. Checkers just calls out immediately. I want whatever curse he has. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that like face tattoos too? Yes. Hell yeah. Yes, face tattoos. And again, it's one of those where it's like, it's not literally all black or whatever, but you can't find a square inch that is just plain skin. That person, the tattooed person, has a a younger dwarf sitting kind of right behind them who has a couple of tattoos, but is kind of otherwise the same dressed, but again, has like 10 tattoos as opposed to a body sleeve of tattoos. The final person who is in this room is an older elf woman who is sitting there, who is very clearly outfitted for outdoor travel, has a large pack sitting behind them that is clearly absolutely filled with all sorts of camping materials. You see like a walking stick and just like rations sticking out all over the place. And they have been conversing kind of as soon as you guys come in, they kind of both just turn and look at you and Checker says, I want whatever curse that guy has. And I'll have one of those. And Juniper like looks at you. You can, you can see just barely (laughs) through his, his, again, he's put his goggles back on and just kind of like looks at you. You can barely make out these like big white eyes turn and be like, (laughs) <laughs> and everyone stands up and uh, comes to to greet you. The old man, or the middle-aged man, covered in tattoos, gets up with a lot of energy and kind of goes up and kind of extends his hand and is like, oh, there's more more travelers. Hello, welcome. Hello. Hi. I'm Valeska Carter of the Golden Tree Adventure. Good Guild. to meet you. Good to meet you, too. These are my companions. I'll let them introduce themselves. <laughs> and we go through and do the intro- same intros that we did at the beginning of the episode, <laughs> I presume. Hi, I'm Checkers, the Grung Jr. <laughs> These are my trusty frogs. <laughs> and Cashman will shake each of their hands individually, taking an extra moment to look at the, the guy that's just all tattoos and be like, sick. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, when Checkers goes to shake this person's hand, he holds on suspiciously long. <laughs> wow. As if trying to become cursed. <laughs> trying to get enough contact. Trying right, to yeah. soak a tattoo through right. him. And again, this middle-aged man points down at your at your chests and saying like, oh, you're, you're gilders. Oh, uh, the golden tree. I, that's, and he shouts back to the elf who's like kind of just waiting her turn, <laughs> basically. Uh, it's like, golden tree gilders. Gilders, right? Uh, and this person kind of like, raises their eyebrows a little bit. And then when having an awkwardly long uh, handshake with checkers is like a grung. We don't see many grung around here. You know, what tribe are you from? And it's like just asking those sort of like high octane pointed like, oh, wait, hold on. I know about this and I know about that. Wait a second. I know this. Does the person wait for an answer or is it like immediate? Like, are you from this? this?" And, And then see something else and like goes to that. I'm imagining he's just bouncing around right now where he's just like, does one handshake. And then it's kind of like bopping around and being like, wait a second, you got a pin. 
wait, did you say you were from this? And hold on. And it's just like getting super worked up while the, the younger dwarf standing behind him is just kind of like standing there very awkwardly. I imagine the other dwarf is just like nodding to like, yeah, this happens. <laughs> <laughs> but like solemnly, where it's yeah. like, ah, yes, indeed. Mm, quite. Now they too must suffer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he says, my name, my name is Warren Walgrove. Good to meet you all. Are you familiar with the Tailspun Order? Casquin is definitely familiar with them. Mm -hmm. And it's like, he's picking up on the kinds of like mannerisms and like speech patterns as this guy is going. Cause he's met a handful of people that are similar to them in Lotros mm -hmm. as like a major port city with like lots of people coming through. There's always like those handful of guys that come through every couple of weeks and are just like asking a bunch of weird questions <laughs> and like doing all this stuff. And it's like, Tailspun order. Yep, I see them. There they are. Yep, uh, Yes, yeah, they are a semi-obscure, but a still kind of relatively present order of bards, actually. And they specifically go around, and their, their order's mission is essentially to preserve stories uh, through oral tradition. I imagine as he's talking and asking questions and Kaskrin's realizing who this is, like mm -hmm. he brightens up a little bit. Like his day has basically just been made. <laughs> Cause like I imagine like one of his favorite memories going on patrol was when one of the tailspun order hired part of the guard to escort him out to the something. And the whole time, you know, Kaskrin's hearing about all these amazing places and amazing stories. And it's like, yeah, that was the best trip ever. And the both of you then would know that. Every tattoo that one of this member of the order has is a story that they have memorized. And getting it tattooed on their body means not just that they have it memorized, but that they will vow that they will always remember it and always be able to tell it. I would like to retroactively change Kaskin's reaction as we walk in. <laughs> to be like, wow, look at that. <laughs> yeah. And now the elven woman finally kind of like, as all this is kind There's of all happening. There's now space for yeah, her it, to approach. That's a perfect way of putting it. She, you know, is, is actually, again, also quite thin, even for an, for an elven woman, and is also relatively old appearing. Also, kind of for an elven woman, where elves in, in Rixia do have a little bit longer lifespan, not the like, whatever, like 800 years that they are in kind of the, the fantasy setting. They just... They live a long time and don't really show their age until pretty later on. And she just kind of like very gently, almost with an air of like ethereal regality, if that makes sense, kind of extends her hand. And she says, uh, and my name is Amber Thunderwalker. It is lovely to meet four members of the Golden Tree Guild. Please. Come and join us. And that is where we'll end this week's episode, everybody. Hooray! See you next week! Ooh, Hooray! Nice. Real beds! <laughs> <laughs>
oh you guys suck let's let's talk uh no okay i love the idea i i I would 100% say, yes, that's a great idea. If we weren't about to get ambushed. That's yes, fair. if I weren't yes. going to have the raven pick yeah, you up right. and throw you out of the tree. Um, <laughs> no, but because I think... Hopefully it's self. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, because like, I regret nothing! <laughs> that's true. Just wingsuit self. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, self, you have nice. time to like... Take your gi and your quarter staff and make like a parachute. You can fly well, back he to Agamar. He doesn't if you take wanted. falling damage anymore. Yeah, but yeah. it'd be cool. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. We'll just like and and I could glide every five foot. I, I drop. True. I could yeah. I go five. We'll just feet keep forward. going with the episode. And then every like twenty minutes, we'll just cut into Steve. Ah! <laughs> wow, I'm still falling, huh? Yeah. Well, if, been falling in, for thirty in case, minutes. In case Steve ever needs to do another solo episode, <laughs> that's what that's what we'll do. Is we'll just yeah. find a reason to chuck self like, off of a cavern. The and only then, escape is off this nine thousand foot drop. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> There's like a combat <sighs> episode where just like birds come and pick at you, and yeah. you're like, yeah, get out of here. 